In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is a special Broads and Books bonus episode. Today on the Broads Talk Books with, we've got Chelsea G. Summers, author of A Certain Hunger. Which, let's be honest, was the doozy of all cannibal books. Yeah. If that's a thing. If if there is such a thing, then it would be the doozy of them all. It really deserves its own category. It really does. <laughs> the cannibal category in the bookstore. Yes. Um, yeah, and if not, there should be because this was like foodie, murder, deviant heaven. Just like a holy trinity of those three things. Just perfection, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. If you could say that cannibalism is perfection, it would be this book. <laughs> <laughs> so to say we were pumped for this interview is probably putting it mildly. Real, real pumped. So pumped. Very pumped. And man, did she deliver. Chelsea was hilarious, surprising, wonderful. It was just everything. It was great. We talk about her goth relationship with a few childhood books, Mm -hmm. how she's looking for murder and magic in her reading, which celebrities she thinks would love her book, Mm -hmm. and how she can't wait to pet her book in a bookstore. And by the way, update on that. Like she, since the interview, she got to go to a bookstore, pet the books. In the bookstore. And from the pictures, I'm hoping it was as fulfilling as it should have been. Yeah, absolutely. Because we both agreed that book feels nice. Yeah, feels real nice. So there's so much wit and humor in this interview, you're going to love it. And we've put all the books that Chelsea mentions in the show notes, so you can add them all to your TBR pile. And now, here's our interview with Chelsea G. Summers. When you were growing up, do you remember specific, uh, a, a specific book, a couple specific books that you really enjoyed that really maybe helped you become the person you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
probably the 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 most formative set of books were the Wizard of Oz books, mm. which I read on kind of infinite repeat. Um, and then I had this, I would guess from the 50s, so it must have been my parents, like maybe even from the 40s, uh, book of fairy tales that had this uh, like line drawing of a witch on the cover. It was a uh, you know, it was leather, it was, you know, the whole, whole like witchy fairy tale nine. And it was, you know, it was the original Grimm's. And um, that, I, I probably didn't read as much as the, the Wizard of Oz, but um, it, I had a very fraught relationship with this book as an object, as well as with, as a, as a book. Um, I was deeply disturbed and massively drawn to it so I would carry it around with me and periodically like hide it in the woods for a week because it started to freak me out too much and then I'd go back and like uncover it from this like mossy area and it would be perfectly fine and pristine and no bugs or mold or oh. anything and bring it home and uh, and start reading it again and so I had uh, yeah I had this incredibly vexed relationship with this book and then and then, you know, I, I guess the, the third text would be um, Hamlet. Ooh. My mom was a costumer, um, and my biological father uh, did lighting design. So, you know, I was born when my mom was like 19, so she, she was still really into all of that stuff, and she was graduating college when I was a little kid. So we did a lot of, and of course she was an English major. Um, so we did a lot of like Shakespeare festivals, and and Hamlet was something that she started reading to me when I was probably four or five. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I saw, cool. you know, I mean, like I saw Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet in the theaters when it came out in nineteen sixty seven whatever yeah yeah so i mean it like it there was it was very much a no no holds barred with the bard um and <laughs> and you know like being a pretentious kid and growing and you know eventually lived in vermont and um and i was like nine or ten and we had this cemetery next to our house and i memorized like five of hamlet's soliloquies and i'd like wander among the graves like saying them out loud and picking wild strawberries and eating them i mean it's just like you know i mean i was goth before there was goth um but yeah this is amazing oh my god there's so many images already i want to i know <laughs> Just the book alone, taking that and putting it in the woods and then going back to it. Love that so much. Oh my gosh. Well, one of the other things that we've talked about a few times on the podcast is that at different points, readers have mentioned that a classic maybe impeded their reading progress. They struggled with it or it was presented too early. Do you remember a mm. classic that you struggled with? Um, yeah. So, you know, both of my parents were... An and still are enormous readers. And um, they gave me Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility when I was like 12. 
And uh, I started it and I was just like, oh, fuck this. You know? <laughs> like, I'm just not, I'm just like, no way am I reading fucking Austin. Like, what is this shit? Um, but kind of ironically, like the same year, it might have been like my 13th birthday, my dad also gave me Marjorie Morningstar. Like, what? Yeah, so I was 13 and I read Marjorie Morningstar. I'm like, this is awesome. And it completely messed me up for like decades. Um, and for a long time, I was just like walking around like, I'm so, you know, here I am, like, like 14. I'm like, I'm so full of potential and it's just wasted. <laughs> like... <laughs> Man, like, you were an I interesting really, kid. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, yeah, I spent a lot. I was an only child, so I spent a lot of time by myself. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I, you know, I then then there then there are other books like as I got older that I feel bad about, but I've never finished. Like, um, like I have never made it past the first chapter of Moby Dick, and I never That's will. Ours. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. That's you know, I don't yeah. care how many people tell me it's amazing. I just, like, I, I don't like Melville. I don't like anything about Melville. Nothing about Melville is good to me. And, you know, and bless everybody who enjoys it. It's just not my jam, and they can knock themselves out. <laughs> That's always Agreed. the one that we talk about when we talk about mm -hmm. this. My, because, yeah. my least, my absolute least favorite uh you know, kind of author of classics, however, mm -hmm. and this I discovered in graduate school because I managed to steer clear my entire childhood, is James Fenimore Cooper. James mm. Fenimore Cooper mm -hmm. can suck my whole asshole. He is such, he is such <laughs> a poser, phony, full of shit, like bullshit, white, male author mm -hmm. writing mm -hmm. all of his natty bumpo stories from the comfort of his Paris apartment. Like eat me. Like yeah. just, yeah. That is really how we should describe all the white male canon. Aaron is just suck my <laughs> asshole. Yeah. You can suck <laughs> my entire asshole. Yeah. Not the part, entire, the one. entire yeah. thing. Yeah. Because... I mean, to, to, to quote Jay-Z. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thinking about, okay, so there were some books that really, you know, struck a chord with you. There were some that you struggled with, obviously, but are there some when you were younger or as you got older that particularly made you think, I want to do this. I want to write. I want to be an author. Um, I, st I think I wrote my first story, which was a highly plagiarized <laughs> uh, book. Um. It was like the, you know, like Mr. and Mrs. Strawberry Head, something to, it was like my grandmother had this French book that was um, about these two strawberries living together and having baby strawberries. I don't know. Um, and I, I wrote my own version of it. I, you know, like when I was like five. Um, and I wrote, uh, I, I wrote a play that was actually produced. And when I was in high school, um, it was really, it was a total Tom Stoppard ripoff. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then like, I think I had my first piece published when I was like 15 or 16. 
And then, but I always, I always, always, always wanted to be a writer. I just never thought of myself as anybody who could do it. And, you know, in all fairness to myself, I was such a fuck up through my 20s and even into my 30s that like the fact that I didn't really get it together to start writing till I was, you know, no longer, well, I was in graduate school, I was in my 40s. And, uh, and I couldn't write my I had writer's block with my dissertation, but I could write other stuff. And so that was a thing that really got me to start writing and to start thinking of myself as a writer. But so it's really only been about a little over a decade. You know, I'm still an emerging writer, even though I'm 58. Well, I, I love to hear it. I have my first coming book coming out this year and I'm 43. Oh, so it's one of those things. Congrats. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just come to it later. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have a lot of respect for people who can, you know, put a book out every year, you know, like, like uh, Laura Lippman and Jamie Attenberg. And, you know, that's, that's great. I really respect them. I'm not that person. Yeah. I am more like Donna Tart. Like it's going to take me another... <laughs> few years to get my mm-hmm. shit together to do the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I'm very lazy. I'm incredibly, incredibly lazy. <laughs> and what I'd really like to do is just to procrastinate. Like if somebody yes. could just pay me to procrastinate, that would be ideal. Oh my God. Yes. Then you would need to share that secret with us. Cause I want to yeah. exactly. yeah. get paid for that. Uh-huh. I'm like the queen <laughs> of making lists and then figuring out how not to do the list. Like oh, yeah. I'm so organized. I did this list and that's it. Boom. Yeah, Never you do need. anything on the list. Just made it. Done. <laughs> what a day. What a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thinking about your reading now, um, how many books would you say are on your to be read pile? And are there a few <laughs> that you can share? <laughs> we love this so much because it's always people are like, oh, God. So, yeah. So, um, because I, you know, I my apartment's in New York. I'm going home to pack it up in a in a couple of days, um, and I've been living in Sweden for the past eight nine months. Um, most of my books are on Kindle uh, <laughs> because you know, like I don't want to be schlepping things, and um, it's a really excellent way to forget what you bought. I have, pro- I, you know, like I probably have <laughs> conservatively 300, un- you know, books on my to be read pile. I am a strange reader in that I go in bursts. I have a hard time ha- finding things that really capture my imagination. I read a lot of nonfiction because I have a I have a hard time with novels that don't make me want to devour them. It's mm. one of the reasons why I really love Megan Abbott is that there's nothing that I've started that I haven't been like, okay, I just want to be up all night reading this. And then when it's over, I'm like, no, it's over. And there's yeah. another dead body. <laughs> um, so, you know, like basically if a book doesn't have, you know, some kind of crime or like, I, I'm not great with books about people walking and talking and growing and doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like a rare, like, you know, Jamie is one of the rare like family 
like, you know, kind of family-based walking, talking, no killing, no magic, you know, <laughs> that I can read and not get horrifically bored by. Um, but yeah, most of my stuff, there's a, you know, every story is a crime story. Not that I consider myself a crime writer, just mm-hmm. that that's like, I like deviance. Yeah. So, so I would say that's most of, and like right now, I just, I just finished Mexican Gothic. Mm. Uh, which I really loved the first two thirds of, and that's all I'm going to say, you know, like I loved the first two thirds and then, you know, because I don't want to, for people who haven't read it, I don't want to like rip the rug out. So, um, and now I'm reading this, uh, this nonfiction book called, uh, don't call it a cult about the Nexium, which of course oh. is really yeah. I'm just oh you know boy. like like cult writing is just like oh please let me just you know dive into a pool. Yes. It's just really it's very <laughs> weird. Wow. Um, and then what did I? So I read uh, Lee Cowart's uh, an arc of Lee Cowart's book on uh, on pain that whose title is escaping me um, it's her debut nonfiction book she's a science and sometimes sex writer um, and also baseball um, and she's a former ballet dancer who also is a self-avowed masochist so she it's does a wide, a, yeah there's a lot yeah. going on so she does yeah so it, the whole book is a study of how pain um, affects different people differently, what it does wow. for us, why people search it out, like how there are different kinds of pain. Like there's one chapter on eating um, California Reapers. There's another chapter on the, you know, the longest, hardest ultra marathon in like, I think it's in the hills of Tennessee. Um, so I just, I read that shortly, not that long ago. Um, and uh um, what did I read? I guess I read one of the, the Megan Abbott gymnastics book because I hadn't read that. So yeah, I mean, I kind of leap around from yeah. and frequently I'll start something and I don't finish it. I have a lot of abandoned books. We do the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is something that took us a while, yeah, I think, I'm- to get to, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad when people abandon my book. I feel, but I does, it does piss me off when they rate it. And they didn't finish it. Like I only yeah. got through seven chapters. I'm giving it two stars. Oh yeah, come here and give it two stars. <laughs> like you know, like if you're gonna Say give it, it two stars, face. fine. Yeah. You know, like fine. That's your prerogative, and you know that's mm-hmm. totally cool. I, you know, whatever, whatever. But don't like fucking abandon the book. You know, and then be yeah. like. I only read like the two first two chapters, one star. Like, (laughs) bite me. (laughs) You know, it sounds like some of the books that you really get into revolve around crime. Do you like Mm -hmm. when a story like that surprises you? Do you like when a story like that you can kind of see where it's going? I'm not a cozy person. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm cozy in my real life. Uh, I don't have any desire to be cozy in my fantasy life. Mm-hmm. So, That's you know, yeah like, yeah, like, like surprise me. Yeah. Um, That's an excellent you know, way to put it. Yeah. 
I, you know, but there's also, there's also the craft, you know, like how, mm-hmm. we, how are this, you know, on the sentence level, on the paragraph level, you know, what are you able to do? And, you know, if it's non, if it's fiction, like, how are you able to t- tell the story? Like, what's the narrative arc that, and, and, you know, what's, what works in it? Like, how is that captivating? Like, mm-hmm. what's, you know, I, I tend to think of books in terms of, having shapes like buildings um or or you know personalities like interiors of rooms so like what is it that i you know what is it that what's the building feel like when i'm in it you know how do the rooms telescope how am i moving from one one room into the next room like um you know or or like a road trip or you know so i i I am interested as well as, you know, it's not just the story, but it's also like on the, the micro level and also on the macro level. I didn't do an MFA, you know, like I didn't have, I didn't have any, I didn't, like I did graduate school in, in literature, but I think my last like creative writing class was, I don't know, some point in the 90s. So I don't, I, I don't have formal training in how you put together novels or or stories um so i i do when i read a lot of times i'm also reading on the secondary level for craft yeah is there a book recently that you feel like has surprised you either craft wise or just narrative wise what happened i read um the Katsu's titanic book not that long ago um i forget what it's called um and uh, and I really liked her ability to blend historical fact with a with a supernatural element, yeah. and that was some that was unexpected. I wasn't I wasn't really sure what I was getting when I went into it, but I I really thought she did um, a, a really fascinating job with that. I guess, you know, I mean, I know everybody talks about Roxane Gay as a nonfiction writer, and I'm one of those weird people who doesn't love her nonfiction, but I do, like, Untamed State was one of the most beautifully crafted, wonderfully put together books that I have read in the past decade, and I probably think about it a few times a week. Um, that was wow. a book that really l- left an impression in terms of the narrative and the plotting and uh, and how it all dovetailed really um, seamlessly with the character. So, yeah, I would say wow. that's, that was one of the ones that's impressed me m- the most in recent history. Yeah. Well, you know, as we told you, we recommended a certain hunger in a recent episode and Mm -hmm. wondering, you know, especially with this conversation around the books that you like and the books that you take things from, were there specific authors or books that you think particularly inspired your writing? Yeah, there were two. I mean, you know, I wrote about in the acknowledgments. Yeah, there were two that absolutely, uh, you know, like I read very early on in the writing process and then just sort of let it stew in my unconscious. And those were Eat, Pray, Love. Mm. Um, And I only got through Eat and Pray and I bailed before Love. It was just like, I have had enough. (laughs) 
this is this is what I I got I got the eat part I got the pray part and now like I'm done um I like I (laughs) I actually owe a huge debt to Elizabeth Gilbert not just because of eat pray love which you know I hated um but because she did a TED talk on uh and I can't believe these are words that I'm putting together in something that can be recorded. But she did a TED talk <laughs> on um, on creativity and her anxiety about writing something after Eat, Pray, Love. And, she, you know, everyone was like, ooh, Eat, Pray, Love, Eat, Pray, Love, so big. What are you going to do next? Um, and uh, she taught, she kind of went to the Greek model and talked about the daemon, you know, like if you are creating something and it's bad, well, it's your daemon. And if it's good, well, it's your daemon. So you are divorced from the actual, you know, creative product. Um, you are like, a, you're channeling mm-hmm. it. Um, and I found that super duper helpful. And I put it together with like his dark materials. And so every time I sat down, I imagined a red bearded vulture next to me, my Damon, who would tell me what to write next. Um, And then the other, and I I should say like, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert has written some of my favorite pieces of journalism. She, you know, her Coyote Ugly piece. um, She wrote a piece on, it was a profile of a winemaker that I, I, Serge Hoshar, whom I adore, he died a couple of years ago. Um, And then the other, the other book was American Psycho, you know, which I had read when it first came out, you know, like, because Brett Easton Ellis and I are about the same age. Mm -hmm. So it came out, I read it, you know, and then I read it again as I was going to write this book in like, I think it was like the summer of 2011. And then I didn't go near any American psycho media, not, not the movie, not the musical, not the serial, not the action figures. Yeah. (laughs) Was there actually a musical? Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, there oh was. Oh my god! Oh yeah, no, there, there. Really didn't realize was. that. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know that. No, I'm not. Oh, wow. I'm not. Huh. I, why? I would never kid about an American Psycho <laughs> musical. <laughs> you can okay. look it up. Yep, just checking. Yeah. <laughs> I never sure. kid about. <laughs> Here to help. I'm still back on the E Pray Love. I want that quote to be on the front of the book. I got through E and Pray, but failed on Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I mean I don't I don't really do well with fiction for women or like books for women like I don't sure. care yeah. I don't care I mm-hmm. might, like my vagina does not read <laughs> <laughs> it's that's true yeah that's very true yeah yeah <laughs> well one of the things um, we like to ask and it's gotten we've gotten different responses now being in a pandemic but do you have a most memorable fan interaction? I, uh, I haven't, you know, like I haven't had any, cause I, this book came out while I was in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't had that experience of going into a bookstore and being like, Ooh, what <laughs> doesn't this look good? <laughs> you know, that this book that I wrote. Um, so, and I, so, and because of that also, I haven't had any, you know, like they haven't had any, you know, events. Yeah. Um, I, but there were a couple of times that I, you know, there were people who um, came to readings before the book was, you know, like before I was an author when I was still just a writer um, and predominantly a sex writer. 
And, you know, there were people who came up and told me how great I, you know, and asked me to sign things. And I'm like, okay, fine, I guess. Sure. What do you have? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I'm really looking for, like, oh, I'm really looking forward to the yeah. the good, the, the big fan experience. I mean, what I, you know, I really love the TikToks, mm -hmm. like the TikTok videos. So, like, there have been, like, four, and those bring me inordinate happiness. Um, it's really nice seeing it on Instagram because I don't, again, I can't see it in real life. There are no bookstores in Sweden that have it in person. You can mm -hmm. order it. Um, so I haven't had, and there's, there's one, there's one library here. It's in, uh, in um, Jotaborde and Gothenburg that has it. Um, so I could theoretically drive five and a half hours and go see it. Be like, can I just see the book? So yeah, you know, like I, I, I really, I really, really, really desperately because I am this shallow want somebody famous to praise my book. Like, of course you if, do. You know, it's that's, I mean, like if, if Lena Headey would just get on it and read the book, you know, or yes. Tessa mm -hmm. Thompson or, you know, Charlize yes. Theron, like just, I mean, you know, there are just so many people I would love to have. That's not know, shallow. That should be a reality. Like book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I'm still, my fingers are crossed for that eventually. Well, that's, it's exciting though, that when you go to New York, you could go to bookstore yeah, and yeah. see yeah. it. And I cool. most assuredly will be going to a bookstore to pet the book. As you should. Yours is very yeah. pettable too. I mean, yes, as is. a yeah. we're not monsters, so we take the dust jacket off. And I took it Oops. off to read it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. It was so that yeah. smooth. It's different than, you know, that cloth cover. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's nice. Both of, <laughs> yeah, both um, both the the dust jacket and the book feel nice. Yeah, got a really nice. And I'm texture. I'm very happy because both of them have an anatomical heart, and then the book has my initials. It says mm -hmm. CGS, which I don't know why, but I really oh, love that, it. Yeah, it's yeah. very personal and wow. It's a really nice object. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want you to touch all of them. I want you to touch all of them. Yeah. Just go into a pile. Yeah. Just yeah. lick them, you know. <laughs> and then hand it to somebody and be like, look, I'm the author. I licked yeah. this. Here, I licked this for and, you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got my DNA. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on to that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, um, and maybe this has already happened, or maybe this will happen once you get back to New York, um, are there particular authors that you have wanted to meet over your time writing and you got to meet or people that you're looking forward to meet? So, I mean, I've been, you know, Megan um, blurbed my book, but I've never met her. Mm -hmm. So I, I look forward to meeting her. Yeah. She's a queens. I don't really have that thing where... I feel the need to meet writers necessarily. Um, if they come into my orbit, that's, you know, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, but, uh, but frequently I like to have books divorced from the people who wrote it. I don't need to know what their voice sounds like. And often I have seen people talk about their books and been like, wow, that was really awful 
Like that was just profoundly unpleasant, and I really regret doing that. Um, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a risk. It's a risk, you know. I mean, and I'm very fortunate to have writers whom I wildly respect in my life who are good friends. You know, like Sarah Weinman, who's just been on your show, is a friend of mine, yes. and oh. Molly Crabapple is a really good friend of mine, and you know, there, I, you know, like Lori Penny is a really good friend of mine, and you know, like I'm just, I'm very fortunate to have people who are writers that, you know, I'm, I can text at most hours of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think like, I think if you don't live in New York, if you don't run in a certain, you know, kind of circle, like Twitter circle, it can be harder. Mm -hmm. Um, But because I do, you know, I've been, I've been really fortunate. How would you say that your reading has changed since you became an author? I read a lot less. Yeah, yeah. I read a lot less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, really part of it for me, like Trump and the pandemic, um, I know most people read more. I really didn't. I read less. Mm-hmm. Um, you did? Yeah, yeah we I read less too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time sustaining my attention. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so, it, you know, like when I'm able – to get into a book and really groove with it. It's been very much a delight because I, there have been moments when I'm like, okay, so I guess reading is broken. Good to know. <laughs> um, I'll have to foster my love of television. Um, I don't know. So like, you know, the, like I had for the most part of the pandemic, I had a hard time getting through a movie. So now I'm able to sit through a movie and I'm able to read books again. And, and I feel like my attention span is, is healing. It's knitting Mm -hmm. back together. It's kind of like Katsuga, you know, pottery. It's got little (laughs) gold threads through it. It's fractured, but it's, you know, it's, it's holding water again. It's an excellent way to describe it. I feel like my reading has been changed. I mean, it's gotten better, like you said, but yeah, it's just not quite what it was before. Yeah. I mean, the two things, I mean, you know, like before that, the thing that really broke reading for me and it, and it really for a while was graduate school, Mm. you know, like doing PhD coursework in, in literature. I was just like, I had a very, very hard time reading fiction and not, doing the thing where I was just taking it apart in my head and looking for a paper to write, which is not the most pleasurable way to read a book, you know? And plus I had read just so freaking much, you know, to get through my, my PhD stuff and, you know, my, my orals and, and all of that, that there were a couple of years after that when I just was like, if it wasn't 18th century, I wasn't reading it. And it was very painful. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be hard to get over. Do you think that there is a a book or an author that everyone should read? Yeah, I do. Um, I think everybody should read uh, Virginie Despont, um, King Kong Theory. Oh, I've never heard of it. Uh, she's a French writer. Um, she's about my age. She's like 57, 58. Her first big thing was the move, first the book and then the movie, Bas et Moi. The King Kong Theory is a half, I would say half memoir, half manifesto. 
about her time as a young French girl, a punk, a sex worker, you know, a, a freak. She's, it's powerful, important, life-changing writing. Mm. And I can't believe it took me as long as it did until, you know, like a friend put it in my hands. It's like, look, just read it. Just read it. And I did in like, you know, six hours. I sat down, wow. I started it, and I didn't, you know, and I read it all the way through. Um, so yeah, King Kong Theory is the book that I think everybody should read. That's awesome. Yeah. I love hearing about books that we've never, that have just never come across our radar, Karen. That's yeah. Thank you. It is my favorite. We spend a lot of time like buying and putting books on our library list after these interviews. Yes, <laughs> we sure bet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, for me, the dangerous thing. Do you do you use uh, do you use Kindles or electronic? Aaron yeah. does. I'm so, much more physical. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you know do you know BookBub? I've heard of mm -hmm. it. So they send you an email every day. You know, like you you choose like writers and and genres you're interested in, and you get this like compendium of like eight books every day that's like highly discounted ebooks so like yeah it's like you know two bucks three bucks you Ooh, know this is gonna yeah. be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> yeah Erin you're gonna regret uh, this moment yeah I am I am yeah. well, but you can also but you know like I put Je uh, Jenny Ophel's weather on my list and it came up today it was like you know I think it was one ninety nine. So of course I That's bought it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you can put things on your wish list, and then when it comes in, it tells you. Well, I know what I'm doing the rest of the day. Yep. 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 <laughs> well, at the end of our episodes, we talk about what our uh, current pop culture obsession is. Do you have a current mm -hmm. pop culture obsession? I have. Like I'm just like I'm in a one of those weird spaces where I finished one and I don't have another. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, like, so uh, during COVID, I, you know, when I had COVID, um, I finished watching all of the, here in Sweden, um, uh, The Blacklist is on Netflix. So, oh, you know, it was like sitting down and committing to a classic 22 episode, you yes. know, season is so overwhelming unless you have some weird sickness is keeping you bedridden for two and a half mm. weeks. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I watched that. And then I just recently watched uh, the Halston show on Netflix. Oh, how was yeah. that? Um, it was okay. Yeah. Okay. I've it been seeing okay. middling reviews. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. I mean, kind of the best things about it are the clothes and okay. certain things that like really evoked a time period and a moment yeah. for me. Like there's one scene where Ewan McGregor's Halston is just covering his face in Clinique liquid bronzer. And like every gay dude I knew in the eighties, just like, 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 like liberally coated their bodies in this Clinique stuff, you know, like they would buy it in these giant, you know, like go to the beauty supply houses and buy these, like, like they were industrial sized vats of, so there was that, you know, like there are these moments that were like, oh, right. This is a Remember, thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, really epitomizes this one particular you know, spot in time. Yeah. Um, there are things I, I 
kind of dip into and and enjoy but nothing right now that i'm mm -hmm. obsessed with so i'm taking suggestions so if you or anybody else mm -hmm. wants to offer something for my newest obsession please lay that's on a me. good point i'm in a weird hole myself and now i'm just re-watching like shows that i like i'm re-watching alias from 20 mm -hmm. years ago and it's gratifying but also reminds me like oh it's been 20 years so there's that yeah what are you watching, Erin? Yeah. I'm watching Mr. Robot because you told me to. So yeah, we're deep into that right now. Yeah. Mm. Which is great. Yeah. But I'm I, in that weird attention span still where I can do like yeah, one, two episodes yeah. and then we have to. Yeah. I um I watched the first two seasons of that and then I tapped out. Mm -hmm. So sorry. No real recommendations. <laughs> yeah, that's really we'll, you. you know, but we'll I mean, look out. feel free to keep in touch and, you know, yeah. I mean, let me know if anything comes we'll, across. We'll shoot you like, yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, those were our questions, Chelsea. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank, you. thank you so much. Thank you for liking the book and recommending it. It really means a lot to me as a, you know, debut author and with a small press and it coming out on December 1st and you know weird time for books yes so, but I I can't wait until you can see it in bookstores yes. and touch and lick and do all the things you want to do yeah there will there will yeah I'm gonna just fondle a pile of my books <laughs> in the corner of McNally Jackson I'm sure they'll be very very pleased yeah yeah Who's that in the, the corner? Oh, it's the author. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <It's>, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, Aaron. Uh, what a delight. What a delight. I want to point out that after this interview, she said on social media she wasn't sure if yes. we were just nice hosts or she was hilarious yeah. and we hope this now convinces everyone that freaking hilarious so funny we yeah. had so much fun during this interview and also i love that she took to twitter to just be like i could be you know fully deluded yes that i'm hilarious but and I then think we I said am. no 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 you are. you are you are yeah fully hilarious mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i like that I mean, just her childhood sounds real, real good. Yes. I like that she connected to books on such a level and that she was terrified of books, too, particularly the Grimm's fairy tales that she buried in the woods. That's one of the, <laughs> my favorite stories I've ever heard. I did really enjoy like watching your face during the interview. And maybe you did mine, too, because there were many moments of like, of course, you buried it in the woods. Yeah. And then you went back to get it and it wasn't dirty because, you know, that's that's we, what we it were is. Dealing with. Yes. Yeah. It was like a moment of shock, understanding, and also <laughs> this is like I'm looking at a unicorn, like a yeah. rare, amazing a rare, thing. Beautiful unicorn. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh speaking of, you know, creepy places. Yeah. Her Hamlet soliloquies in the cemetery. <laughs> As one does. As one should. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that she was like, Yeah, I was fully goth before goth was really a thing amazing like, yeah you were you were fully mm -hmm. i like that she just basically just said fuck right off to the whole white male canon particularly a few authors but mm -hmm. you know when we extended it to the canon she's like yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's fine yeah. i'm on board mm -hmm. with that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i loved that she talked about the process of this book and that it took her a while to get this out because she was just doing her thing in her yeah. 20s and 30s and so it took a while because I like that as a story I like yes. that as inspiration and I think that's so important to hear that there's no timeline for yes. anything 
Yes. We put these arbitrary timelines on everything. And yeah. this is a perfect example. Like this book is genius, brilliant. And the only sad part about that is that we didn't get it earlier. Right. But if it took her. But it took her a while to yes. get here. And I love that idea. Yeah. Because especially in the book world, you hear constantly about like the, you know, five under 35. Yes. And the, the top writers in their 20s. And that's all great. But some of us need some extra time. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, I like that she very clearly laid out what she wants from books. Yes. She wants to be surprised. She doesn't like just a lot of interior stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Makes great sense. She wants her murder. She wants her magic. She wants her deviance. Mm-hmm. That is basically the category I think we're all looking for. And I I don't think I've heard like the need for crime and true crime described that way yeah. that it isn't necessarily the crime it's that i just like deviance yeah. and when she said that i was like you know what that that's is it. it that's it that is really the best explanation slash definition that i've ever heard it mm-hmm. was right on yeah uh which talking about books that influenced <laughs> her when she said that eat pray love but she only got through the first two <laughs> And yeah. American Psycho. Yeah, it was a great combo. Two together. Great combo. She got to eat the prey. She didn't want to get into the love. I appreciate that. I do, I too. That's great. I do, too. And yeah. I love the idea because we've all been very familiar with that book. Like, no, nah, I just took these two no. parts. <laughs> <laughs> I love, too, as we mentioned, you know, at the time of the recording, she hadn't been able to see her book in a bookstore. Yes. She was in Sweden. She was still pandemic. So, But after the interview, she showed proof mm-hmm. on her social media of seeing it out in the wild and it must have been just a wonderful experience to be yeah, able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, obviously not a feeling I can speak to, but I can only imagine how fulfilling and wonderful that is. And I hope yeah. it was as great of an experience as it was for us. Yeah. Being and able to I, touch it. Man, I feel like I would be her. Just be like, hey, this is mine. Yes. Do you want this book? <laughs> this is a good book. This is mine. <laughs> feel it. Touch it. Touch it. You need to take off the cover and really feel the other. Co- it's. Just trust me. Just trust us. Yeah. Trust us. <laughs> yes. Overall, this interview was so funny, so refreshing, mm-hmm. just a savage wit. We just loved, loved it. her. We yes. talked quite a few times about how much we love her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope that she feels the same way and that I she's our too. best friend. I, well, yeah. I mean. It's happening. It's so <laughs> She likes deviance. So. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I hope that includes stalking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, guess what? We will be back next Wednesday with our regular weekly themed episodes. In the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Cause their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. 
you, you hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.